But favorites. Charlie Brown Christmas special, I mean, to, I'll just watch it to hear Luke 2 read on broad, you know, broadcast television. It's, it's fantastic. True. I thought you were, when you said Luke at first, I thought you were talking about Star Wars. So. <laughs> You're talking about the Bible, though. It's good. Our goal in this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit, do better. So together we can be a little better. Hey, welcome to A Little Better. My name's Daniel, and today on the podcast is the normal crew. Week three, we wrapped up our Christmas series. Now, Christmas is this week uh, coming up. You know, Christmas Eve services this weekend. But uh, this past weekend, Drew, you talked about week three of our Christmas, uh, Where Are You Christmas uh, series. Uh, And you talked about Herod. Give us your sermon in 60 seconds. Yeah, we zoomed in on Herod, um, this kind of crazy lunatic king who did everything he could to fight against a new king, King Jesus. And so, um, you know, when you look at Herod's life, basically it's a good reflection of the fight we face just in a, a lot of different ways, right? Maybe our, our fight isn't as extreme as killing babies, but we we fight for control of our lives, to have the say in our lives, to be the, the leader, the king of our life. And so we just kind of landed with like who... Who is the ultimate king in your life? Who who sits on that throne? And ultimately, the throne never belonged to Herod or mm-hmm. me or you. It's always been Jesus. This is just a matter of if you, if we're allowing to him to sit on that throne. And so, um, and out of that, the casualties when he's not on on the throne and the type of king Jesus really is. And we got to see all of that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, Herod is not a a person that. When we look at when we think about the Christmas story, that we think is a primary character, but he really mm-hmm. is. He, yeah. he takes up a lot of space in Matthew chapter two, yep. uh, which I've, if you look at the chapters of Christmas, you know it's like Matthew one and two, Luke one and two. He and gets then, a good chunk. That's of a it. bit it. That's about it. But and then but Herod takes up a good chunk because usually I think somebody brought up uh, Michelle. I think was that brought up in pre preach. You know, usually when we preach in Matthew two about the wise men, it's kind of like, oh yeah, Herod, he's not good. He killed the babies. But the wise men, you yeah. know, um, but I, th- I love the idea, you know, zooming into Herod's response to Jesus, because it's not normally a Christmas message that we hear, you know, mm-hmm. talking about that. I always wonder why the nativity scene doesn't have like Herod, like somehow in the background or on the top of like the, the manger with like a sword. <laughs> it What's feels funny like is like my New fit. Testament, my New Testament professor in Bible college he, his wife, he'd, he'd always say, his wife wants to do a nativity scene, but he said, unless I can do a, a pile of baby dolls with a sword through it and Ooh. ketchup over it, we won't do it. And oh, I was man. like, that's a little grotesque. That's, that's a little grotesque. Like, uh, I was like, you need all the elements and no drummer boy, you know, and, like, and that's <laughs> what he always would say. I was like, oh, was like, okay. Oh, nice. Uh, so Herod in this regard, man, he just takes up so much space of who he is. You did, uh, I think, a hot take in this regard. You said Herod is the most relatable character <laughs> to us. Sure, people love me In that. the Christmas story. Yeah. I, I'm just glad that you you dropped that thunder bomb because <laughs> last week, I, when after I said there probably wasn't a donkey, that was the most hotly debated. My wife literally, we were, we were uh, getting ready for bed Sunday night, and I was like, hey, you never told me what you thought about your message. She's like, I was a little offended. And I was like, what? It's like, she's like, 
I don't think it messes with my theology to say that there was a donkey and, and that donkey carried a king. And I was like, I think are you we have to let our star? audience know in your wife's defense, she's pregnant right now. Yes, yes. And the thought of traveling, probably that four day journey was Walking. like, no, there was a donkey. There was a donkey. <laughs> Mary was right. Mary that rode that donkey. <laughs> yeah. Joseph was not that cruel. There <laughs> yeah. And so that was, I'm just glad you, you know, took, the eyes off me with saying there's not a donkey yeah. and you know, yeah, I stepped into it. Well, that was yeah. kind of like the punchline of the message, right? It was like the hitch in the gut type thing. And it, it was something that I wrestled with for a couple of days. Like, okay, am I being, am I exaggerating here? Yeah. Is this like, just like a sermon Jesus juke to like convict you? But I'm like, no, I think yeah. it's actually true. Like Herod is a good depiction of humanity, yeah. right? We are born in rejection to God, we are we are born in this fight of mm. you know God's spirit drawing us, and yet we don't even want to be drawn. We don't yeah. want to surrender to a new king. We want yeah. to be king. And but we're overwhelmed by all those details, right? I mean, killing his immediate family, killing yeah. all the babies in Bethlehem, yeah. also kill, killing immediate family. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You call me that guy. It's just like, yeah. yeah, how is he relatable? This, Good action you know, like Mass murder. Don't kill your family. Going control. That's good. I, I think I'm kind of reminded of Jesus' teaching, you know, when he says, don't kill anybody. Like, yeah, I'm not going to kill anybody. He goes, but you've been angry in your heart, right? Mm. You have this rage. And you didn't commit the act, but it's it's the heart, you know, that matters. Yeah. And so, no, we didn't, you know, it's kind of like if we had that power, if we had that prerogative, right. if it was at risk, right? Here's all the power I have, and it's at risk. I think that's the biggest disconnect that people don't connect, right, is Herod had an enormous amount of power yeah. that we don't have, right? Mm -hmm, right. And so, right, and, and maybe for, like, good reasoning, right, maybe we would be like Herod if we had his level of authority and mm -hmm. we're so afraid of losing it, right? We're afraid of losing control of small things and right. the things that we do to protect the control of just the little things. Yeah. And so I think the disconnect is... Herod is this, like, he's like the president of the United States. And so, right. like, to compare yourself to that feels like a disconnect. Mm -hmm. But really, when it comes to the heart condition, they're pretty much yeah. accurately the same. Yeah, because mm -hmm. people would be like, I'm way more like, you know, the lowly shepherd, you know, <laughs> and living, you know. It, but, like, reality of when you look at the matter of the heart, yes, you know, mm -hmm. the matter of the heart of, like, Herod, you, if you think about his life and he, you know, killed members of his family, mm. primarily because he thought they were all out to dethrone him right. and take over his palace, when in, in all reality, you know, you look at other stories of kingdoms, it's like, okay, we need to train you up so when I, you know, I'm not going to be here forever, so you need to be able to lead the people well and, and right. rule well and govern well, but like, Karen's like, no, I'm, I'm ending you because yeah. if you're Coming at my throne, my control, I'm, I'm taking you out. And again, mm -hmm. to normalize Herod a little bit, much like we did last week, this was normal, yeah. right? Yeah. When you were a king, you there were men, even David, like King David had some issues with the throne with his family. Yeah. Now, mm -hmm. there wasn't any slaughter, um, but right. like every king in this in this time period, one of their main priority was, was to protect their throne. Mm -hmm. And when family got in the way, they they got rid of them, right? And I think when David took over and King Saul died, it was like this right. amazing feat that he didn't slaughter all of Saul's family, right? Yeah. Right, because yeah. that's just the culture that did. we lived in. Yeah. Right. Weeping we over did. Absalom, his rebellious son, right. who he didn't want killed. You yeah, know? but but again, David is the example of the good king. Yes. Yeah, the good king. Yeah, in that regard. 
Yeah, and so Herod takes he does everything to maintain control in his life. But yep. but we're going to talk more about control later on in the podcast. I, I kind of think it would be helpful for the casual reader to get up to date on how many Herods we're talking about if yeah. they're reading through. Because when we get to the stories of Jesus crucifixion yeah there's a herod there too yeah and there's i guess I how guess, many are there brad i i don't know how I many more than two i want to say there's that. like eight to twelve <laughs> eight to twelve I, I is that a title is it a name is it um so i do believe herod is a title mm-hmm. um i man i read a bunch about this in seminary and uh-huh i i'm it's it's like vaguely in the top of my head but mm-hmm. not clear yeah <laughs> Um, I know he is, obviously he is, his father was Herod and he's like taking over a fourth of his father's kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there were other Herods and there's Herods in, in the Bible. Um, Daniel, are you Googling? Is it Herod, yep, Ant- I am. Is it Herod Antipas? Is that the one who's with, who's John the Baptist's enemy? Who's, uh, who's which Herod is? Well, there's Antipas, split. there's Agrippa, there's... Mm. We digress. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, Thanks I, for that, Brad. Her, but, yeah, but none of the, the great, as far yeah. as we know, none of the Herods are good role models. According to uh, the Britannica, and so which is I, I went to just a history website instead of like Bible.org, right? And so um, I, just saying because I wanted like not necessarily a credible source. Not that the Bible websites aren't <laughs> credible, but I wanted more of a historical background. That's why I, I'm citing Britannica. Um, and so the Herod the Great or Herod. Magmus mm. is the the Herod that is alive and ruling during the time of Jesus' birth. Yes. Okay. Um, and then you have what one thing to just remember in these lines that all these rulers um, would a common practice, even in Egyptian rulers and in Roman rulers, they would even change their name to match a ruler that they admired. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the reason we have multiple Herods mm-hmm. is because Herod Herod was seen as a, a great ruler because of how, what he did for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so other Herods either changed their name or were named after him because he was seen as um, a, a good ruler in some regard. Mm-hmm. In the same way, we have multiple Caesars because Caesar Augustus right. was seen as the greatest r- Roman ruler in this mm-hmm. regard. And so, so the reason that we have some of those is just because one of two things, either they were named after him or they could change their name to be named after another ruler that they said, oh, he was good. I want people to think of him when they think of me too, mm-hmm. because I admired him. In the same way, if you're a you know, a preacher or a basketball player, you know, like, oh, I'm going to name my son Charles Spurgeon because I want people, to, you know, mm-hmm. him to be like Charles Spurgeon. Like, Obviously, I didn't do that and others, but that that's kind of the equation. The reason there's multiples, when you get down to the end yep. of Jesus' life, wait, Herod died. We know that because you read the end of Matthew chapter 2. That's the reason right. they can return back to yep. Nazareth yep. and Galilee. They go back home mm-hmm. because those who sought your life are now dead. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, you keep reading in Jesus, the Gospels, the end of Jesus' story, he goes back to a Herod. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so it's like, wait. He's back. Like, is he back from the dead? Like, yeah. uh, but that's kind of it's like a title. It really is. It's, it's almost it's, like a word that means yeah. ruler. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's sim- a symbol of that. And so, yeah, that so that's helpful in that regard. But let's talk about the other characters. Other characters, a little biblical background. The Magi or the wise men. Your translations might say. How, well, first question: How many of them were there? 
It's a great question. <laughs> we three kings. I we mean, three traditionally kings. we see three because they offer three gifts. So we just assume that there's three guys on camels with three separate gifts, individual yes. gifts. But realistically, I mean, no one knows, right? Mm-hmm. Scholars might make suggestions, but yeah. those suggestions are rooted maybe on, on some speculation. So we don't know. We just know that there were three gifts. And magi is one of those words where, like, what's the plural of magi? Is it magis? You know, it's, like, not the greatest. Like, if they were, like, you know, like, kings came, we'd know, oh, there's more than one. It could have been one guy. Like, is magi plural? Oh, uh, that's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. <laughs> we are throwing so many curveballs at Daniel. We're curveballs right now. Now, now it is things. wise men, uh, but magi, which is the word that's used... So let's just look this that word up. That sounds really singular fast. and plural to me. Um, it is a. That's what I thought too. <laughs> it literally just means "madge," and then <laughs> it literally means "well done." Mag- <laughs> so glad Magnus, you tuned in. Wise men, uh, magician is another way to think about this word. Mm-hmm. Uh, astrologer. Astrologer. Yeah. And so, is it a sin to look at astrology? That's the other question that gets come up. Yeah. And so. Uh, but but the word it, you're you're asking about the tense of the word. The tension is is this is a noun. Yeah. Um, and so. So yeah. to answer your question, we don't know. Basically, yeah. there could have been one. There yep. could have been two, three, four. We don't know. Yeah. But, but it, it really, realistically, it, it doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? We yeah, know yeah. that there were astrologers or an astrologer or a wise man or men that mm-hmm. came to worship Jesus, offer him gifts for who he was. Right. Yeah. And they are, they live in stark contrast to the other king in the narrative, Herod, that lives completely different. But they're pagan foreign astrologers who get it. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what's what's the tension though is is this? So I think we can know that there are multiple, and this is just me doing studying on the fly and reading, and only because in verse two, when they at least the words Matthew records to that they said to King Herod is we saw. So they do. There is a plural ver, uh, verb that is used that means to see. And it is in the plural tense, and so it's like, yeah. We I mean, saw I would definitely star. assume there's more. So than there's one. more than one. Uh, mm-hmm. We know, but like it could be like, hey, we, me, and you, two of us. Uh, but or it could be like the ten of us, or the the three of us. Maybe there were three um, in that regard because they all wanted to carry one gift. <laughs> uh, but like in, in that tense of, so we we can know there are more than one because we saw his star rose, uh, and we've come to worship him. And that's mm-hmm. what their purpose of coming. But when did they come? That's the question. You know, there's uh, a lot of scholars. Um, and I've even preached this sermon. The first sermon I ever preached at the last church I served at uh, was on this text. And I cited uh, people who thought Jesus was older because Jesus is no longer in the cave or the barn until further study. Um, I think there's another, yeah. is there not another argument too that, um, the, that the star appears mm-hmm. at the time of his birth and then the astrologers travel? Yep. So it is. So that is time has to pass for them to travel to you know Jerusalem, have their encounter with Herod, get to Bethlehem. So that creates a time gap. Yeah. And the Earth. the so the the closest thing that gives us a gr- a pretty significant indication is Herod's decree to kill babies two and under. So okay. we can easily you know basically reason that Jesus is 
two and under. Yeah. Right. So we know that he's going to be in that what I would call baby to toddler region. Yeah. Um, so he's not a preemie. Yes. Okay. I mean, I mean, he could. What's hard about the Bible is you read it sequentially and you just think, oh, Jesus is born. Now the wise men come. So like Jesus is like, you know, he's so like you're messing up our nativity old. a little bit. Yeah. You're, you're he, messing up our nativity. So they weren't there. You're, what, what you're saying is what we can know is they were not there the night he was born like the shepherds were. Right. Yes. I think we can easily know that. I think so the shepherds yard, came. <laughs> yeah. Or just put mantle. the magi at a distance. Like, hey, they're... Right. Well, like, hey, so you is, got the scene and then the magi the with Herod over top. Put them in your neighbor's <laughs> Herod yard. Herod is coming and so is the magi. So you kind of need your whole living room or your whole yard. Yard, yeah. To do I mean, this. That's Involve people. your neighbors. So if you, if yeah, you, you put... it out over the block. <laughs> you put this accurately for the Bible, you know, you have... Kind of rearrange the barn to make it more look like a first century house, upstairs, downstairs, okay? And then you put the Magi kind of maybe in the backyard because they're traveling. Make sure you do it from the east so they can travel that mm. direct, right, directionally correctly. Uh, and then you have Herod off in the distance with a sword, as Drew likes to say. So have yeah. him with a sword. Um, kick the donkey out because he's not there. <laughs> I mean, there's technical no evidence that there wasn't a donkey, so I feel like that's unfair to the donkey. He yeah. could have been there. He, he could have been there, but he was already Maybe there. Maybe put a question mark yeah. on his butt. Uh, question <laughs> mark on the donkey. The, the pile of dead babies might get a rise out of your neighbors. Probably don't do the pile of dead babies like my New Testament professor wanted. So, so we can know that they weren't there the same night, but they at least showed up there in the first two years. So here's my second question, though. So did Mary and Joseph and Jesus, new, newborn Jesus, infant Jesus, just hang out in Bethlehem for almost two years? I think, yeah, they could. I think, uh, realistically, think about the birth of a child just in our culture. Like, most families aren't going out, especially first child. They're taking their good old time. You don't think she's doing a four-day walk back? No, exactly. (laughs) Remember, exactly. Mary has to recover. Mm-hmm. And she ain't, you know, it takes women a good amount of time to recover with modern medicine. Mm. This is not modern medicine day. She just gave birth to a child. She's going to need to recover. The baby's going to need to, you know, recover, get healthy, all these things. There's also things tied to the Jewish law that yeah. they have to fulfill um, in the sense of Jesus on day seven is his purity. Yep. And then he gets circumcised on day eight. Yep. And then Mary has to wait until they dedicate him on day 40 at the temple so that she is ritually clean mm-hmm. um, and pure, pure, ritually pure, yes. so that she can go and dedicate him at the temple in Jerusalem. And it just doesn't make sense in your if you're p- playing this out logically, thinking about the fact that she just had a baby to say, right. they had him a few days later, they travel back to Nazareth, and then on day eight, they're going to make the travel. Or even if you say that he was circumcised and then they traveled, okay, they're going to turn around like, a week later, travel back to Jerusalem to dedicate him at the temple, which we know they do yep. because of Luke it's chapter recorded. two. They yeah. meet um, Anna and Simeon, yep. the prophetess and the prophet. Like they, they meet them um, at the temple when they dedic- they go to dedicate Jesus in Jerusalem. So we know they did that. Bethlehem is close to Jerusalem. Yeah, it's so yep. much closer. Very, than, very close. Than Nazareth, Nazareth is all the way, way the top. up yeah. the Jordan River. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so we. And the travel time of the Magi. Yeah. Right? It's not like they're coming. It, it says we don't know exactly where they're coming from, but it's probably a significant journey. Mm-hmm. So you've got travel time for them. So I, I think there's a lot of things that indicate Jesus is probably older than 
what we would think. I don't know if he's probably quite tw- two years old. Two years seems like a, a long time. I imagine Herod had a margin for error. Yes, right? like exactly. If, if he thought the baby was a yeah, year old, he's going to go sense. two and under. That's right. right. So, yeah. I, yeah, I think, you know, six, eight months to a year could be an accurate hypothesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, if you think about my sermon last week, too, of th- if, if they do stay in Bethlehem for, say, a year... Because of this baby, because of how extensive the journey is, or even just three months, like just let's say the minimum the age of Jesus, the youngest he could have been with all these events to tra- transpire, he's mm-hmm. uh, forty days old, or mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, a month and a half, two months old. Think about the hospitality of the family that does take him in, mm-hmm. of just like, yeah, y'all hang out here, you're good. Like it raises their hospitality, but it also raises more questions in my mind of like. Well, did they eventually come around? Did they respond <laughs> to Jesus? Did, did they? We don't have anything recorded. Did they just hang out for months thinking like, is this really the new king? Well, and even like, in your message, you did the whole like knock and the shepherds come. And you're yeah. like, okay, that might have been coincidence, yeah, right? And weird. then, but what if magi, magi show up? Magi show up. Like, who, who, <laughs> what who is this? People? What is going on? Gold? Frankincense? Mer- like, it's I mean, like, that, might li- that might go to the top of my questions in heaven for Jesus, right? Like, yo, can I can I meet the family that as a family who, who that hosted, hosted you? you? Who hosted here? you? You know, <laughs> and, and so that just brings are another level of like, are they are they here <laughs> right exactly? Now? Did they end up turning like? Did they you know? And so like that just brings so many questions to my mind in mm-hmm. that regard of, uh, so so yeah. So there's some things we can know, but there's also some things left to mystery mm-hmm. of what the biblical text presents is apparently mm-hmm. uh, what you know the writers thought <clears throat> was pertinent for us to. No, but there's some things if we put some puzzle pieces on the board, we can know better. Well, and um, even if you think about Jesus as a baby, I've always wondered this. This is going to complicate things more. Yes, I he, love is, it. he is God, but mm-hmm. he's also human. Was mm-hmm. there any complications? Was there mm-hmm. any, you know, did Jesus have struggles when he, like, did he get an RSV when mm-hmm. he was a baby? Did he have a cough, right? Like, were they getting ready to leave and God kept him you there? Don't because think he didn't cry. He, he, did, he didn't even oh, cry. I'm sure he, I guarantee. What's that Christmas song that says that? There's a, it, no it, crying he makes. No, no crying he makes. What yeah. song is that? That's in? a way in the manger. Yeah, that's right. Okay. I, I, I knew that line is in there. I was I'm, like, I'm oh, here okay. for the old stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Brad. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Well, well, let's put it more in people's laps. We, we've riffed on the background of possibilities in that regard. Your, your whole thrust, which we talked about a little bit in the beginning of this podcast, was about the control that Herod sought after. Mm. And um, what kind of control are you talking about? Is there just one kind of control for our lives, or are there, are there layers to control, different types, if you will, of control? Yeah, I definitely think there's multiple layers, even spiritual layers. Like the first, first and is like ultimate control. Okay. Um, who is who is who has the final say in your mm-hmm. life? You know, when it comes to who you are and the things that you choose, who who are you listening to? Who yeah. is who is that authority in your life? Is it Jesus and His Word to us, or is it? what you feel or what, what you decide, like who is that ultimate control. And then I think there's layers to it of, you know, I I guess like what's hard for people too. And even for me is like, does that mean I got to like pray about whether I have my family or not? Like does God have control over that? Mm. Yes and no, really, realistically. Like, yeah, God wants to say in every area of your life, but he also gives you f- some freedom to control certain things, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, we have to learn to live in those tensions of God has the final say, but sometimes God 
gives me the freedom to choose yeah. and it have gives some you wisdom control. through yeah. his Holy Spirit. Is, is like, stewardship a good word? I mean, it's yeah. just like he's ultimately in control, but he he wants us to manage. Yes. You know, that. he's given but us we, responsibility. If you think the of responsibility, like, management. But right now, Rena and I, uh, my wife, we're reading a book together by Henry, Dr. Henry Cloud called Boundaries. You know, like how mm, you can set classic. good, it's really, you yeah. know, classic book. It's been recommended to us so many times, like, but just how every type of relationship, you know, there are healthy boundaries that you can put in place mm. um, to be a good, and it's written from a very Christian perspective. He, he's given you a robust, almost theology of what does it mean to love someone else well, but yet setting good boundaries. Mm. And, and he kind mm. of like, takes biblical stories and 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 the one that is just fresh in my mind is because I read the chapter last, yesterday uh, was on the, the Good Samaritan. He's like, the, in the Good Samaritan, what if he didn't have boundaries and he, he takes the man to the inn, lays him in the inn, and he's like, all right, I got business to go take care of, which is what he says in the text, uh, what Jesus apparently says in the text, that the he had business to take care of. And he's like, when I come back, I'll pay you whatever it takes, innkeeper, an yeah, actual innkeeper, right? <laughs> um, whatever it took... Yeah. Whatever you needed, right? But what if the man, you know, comes to and he's like, "Don't leave me, I need you to stay." And he's like, "Okay, I need to love you well, so I'll stay." He, he, he like he gives up control, right? He's like, "God knows, He knows God wants me to love this person, right? He wants me to love this person. I'm going to love this person." But the sacrifice he had to make was he didn't go and do his business, mm. so he doesn't have any money to actually pay for the yeah. guy to get taken care of. Yeah, and so and so he like walks through like what could have happened. Because this guy didn't have good boundaries because his whole gut reaction was like, well, what you want is before my needs. Mm. What, what you need. And so it's a good illustration in my mind of like, there's two types of control, right? We, we need to use wisdom to set appro- appropriate levels of, as Brad said, stewardship over yeah. our lives, our mm-hmm. finances, our relational capacity. What does it mean to love other people well and make sacrifices? But yep. yet like, it's not just like everyone else's wants, needs, and desires are in front of mine all the time, always, and I'm just going to be very unhealthy because I'm stretched during this season, this holiday. Everybody needs a gift. Everybody needs my time. Everybody, right. everybody needs all these things. Like what you want goes over me, and so. And I think that's like that. This idea of control is like s- salvation and sanctification are so like merged together when yeah. it comes to control. Because salvation is the moment where you give God control over your life, but that doesn't mean that you just in a moment. Oh. God, you control everything. No, we're still flat, like flawed human beings. And so this process of salvation is I'm surrendering my heart and control to you, God. You're sitting on the throne. Mm-hmm. Sanctification is learning in every area of my life to continue to surrender that control right. because we will we live in this tension of like, God, I give you control, but I'm still going to be like Herod throughout yeah. the rest of my life of like trying to pull it back, yeah. trying to, to grasp it back. And yeah. in the sanctification process where God makes you more like him, it's just you keep surrendering. Yeah. And you see that in Jesus, right? right? Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. you see it all throughout. I'm here to do my father's Will right. not not my will, but your will, and and it's it's and we Jesus follow in Jesus' footsteps control. of yeah. how mm-hmm. he did that, and and there's this whole tension of even what I just said in the book that uh, my wife and I were talking about last night is like we live in this you know uh, self help I need a me day culture, mm-hmm. and there's a tension that you wrestle through of like there's an unhealthy version of boundaries where you do nothing and you never give of yourself because it's like I need to protect me. But Jesus always was sticking his neck out of line for other people. But yep. there's, there's, it takes time, wisdom, and 
of the Holy Spirit to be able to know when is it time to set a boundary, when is it time to um, or to give up control to God and, yeah. and God saying like, no, you need to breathe. You need to be with me. You need to be like mm-hmm. Mary in Mary and Martha's story. Yeah. Like you don't need to be busy working. You need to be sitting at my feet and mm-hmm. then go and do good works, which yeah. those stories in Luke's gospel are back to back, right? They're, they're literally separated by in our English Bibles, one header. Mm-hmm. Um, like, but they're really one connected story of Jesus illustrating how the two primary goals of our life is to love God and love people, yeah. you know, sit at his feet, and still and love people well, but it takes time and wisdom to know like when it comes to control, we give ultimate control to Jesus um, over our life, and we learn to follow in His footsteps what it looks like to love people and appropriate times to take and give up yeah. control. There's a beautiful stories. freedom in the gospel, I yeah. think. To I mean, you just think about it's really that fear that creeps yeah. in and consumes us, yeah. where we want to control the outcomes, but to be able to say. Hey, I'm I'm serving the King, you know, and the King will yeah. accomplish what He's going to accomplish. He's included me in this. I've got His priorities. He's given mm. me resources. But there's a freedom there when yeah. you're trusting mm. the King. But that fear is always creeping back into me. No, I need control. I need, I need my control. My 401k needs to be a little higher. Yeah. I need to insulate myself against all bad outcomes. Yeah. Right? But yeah. uh, that fear will always creep in on me. Yeah. So don't let fear. Yeah. What's one takeaway uh, as we wrap up? 10 seconds for each one of us. What's one thought uh, that we want to leave people with um, in that regard? Brad? I just think it's, you know, what a bad idea it is for me to be king. Mm, you know, yeah. it's just, it's, it, it's, it's almost that impulse, almost that instinct. It sits underneath there, but it's like I have to be continually reminded. Do you understand that if you're setting the priorities, you know, you're going to think you can imagine every outcome. You're going to think that you're smart enough for this, but the outcomes could be disastrous. They will be disastrous. Yeah, you are not designed for control, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're a second fiddle, so that's what... You know, that's a great place to just wrap us up here as we think about this Christmas season of Jesus is the one that's supposed to be in control. So thanks so much for tuning in to this week of A Little Better, a public service announcement. We'll be taking the next two weeks off. We can't wait to hang out with you in the new year with a new series all on how our identity is supposed to be rooted in God. See you then.